Welcome to the Lead Podcast, helping you to get it, grow it, and give it. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Lead Podcast. I'm Ryan Becker and I'm here with Dr. Paula Olivier. We're at EC3, the final hour of EC3 in Collegedale, Tennessee. And Dr. Paula, thank you for coming on to the podcast. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. So let's kind of jump right into this. Tell us a bit about yourself for those who may be unfamiliar with you and and where you're currently serving. Okay. I'm Paula Fizeme Olivier. I pastor currently in the Northeastern Conference at the Ebenezer Seventh-day Adventist Church in Freeport, New York. I am also married to a pastor, Pastor Smith Olivier. He also serves in a Northeastern Conference, and he pastors the Beaka Church in Queens. So we are a team ministry in separate churches. He's with, with the French-speaking congregation. I'm with an English-speaking congregation, and we just enjoy doing ministry together. That's great. How long have you been up there? I've been in Freeport since January of last year. Okay, great. I uh, I was actually just a couple of weeks ago out in the Northeast and doing an Atlantic Union College Fair tour, and it's so beautiful this time of year. It, was, it is. It's really cool. Um, so talk to me about your calling. Talk to me about your entry into ministry. Um, tell us that story as much as you're willing to tell, as much as you want to tell, and, and yeah, help, help us get to know you a bit. Okay. Well, um, growing up, I thought I wanted to be a medical doctor, but I never made it a matter of prayer. Um, and eventually, my best friend and I at the time decided to do some prayer and fasting uh, to see what God wanted us to do with our lives. And after a couple of weeks of praying and fasting, I felt God saying to me that he wanted me to come to the ministry, which I ignored. Um, mm. And I applied to another college that I was going to in Miami, Florida. And I also got another full-time job. Um, so I was getting ready to do that full-time job and to transfer after my scholarship finished at Miami-Dade to Florida International University. Um, but when you ask God a question, you have to be prepared for the answer. And even though I had the job, I was waiting to be called and when to start training. Um, but they eventually forgot that they even hired me. And my file disappeared. They don't know who I was. Wow. And so I could not start that job. I could not go back to my old job because I had already quit. And so the Lord just kind of shut down every door until I decided to go to Oakwood College and major in theology. Wow. That's crazy. Oh, man. Um I can't imagine how awkward of a of a of a position <laughs> your eyes just got real big. That, yes. That's like can't go to the new job, just quit the old job. Like that's that's a tough place to be in. But I'm glad that God opened the doors for you to to uh, to enter ministry. So let's talk about preaching. You've been preaching here at EC3 all week long, and it's been absolutely incredible. I've really appreciated your messages. Um, what's your favorite thing about preaching? My favorite thing about preaching is connecting with the audience and connecting with the congregation and having an experience where we are both enjoying the word of God together. Hmm. That's awesome. I've never even heard it put that way. That's or heard preaching kind of from that angle. That's really cool. Um, so we'll we'll start with the critical and then we'll go with the with the with the positive. Uh, what are some problems? that you see in preaching currently, whether it's in preachers or just preaching in general? Hmm. I, I have 
a problem with at times sermons that have no structure. I think sometimes um, we approach the text and just say anything that comes to mind as we're reading along, as opposed to digging into the text, finding a governing thought and working with that thought and augmenting the thought. And I think a lot of times congregations are used to just random points being thrown out. And when you come with structure, it's appreciated. And so I would, I would like to see more work done in studying the passage, finding a governing thought in the passage, and then digging into that thought deeper, as opposed to the string of pearl approach, where whatever leaps out at you is what you throw out to the people. Hmm. And so, all right, now let's, let's shift gears. And I've definitely seen that a lot. In fact, I've been guilty of it myself. Um, I think sometimes the workload gets us distracted and, and we get lazy on, on sermon prep. And I, I've definitely seen that in myself before. But now let's, let's, let's shift to the positive. And what are some things that you would affirm in the modern day preaching that you hear? Um, the variety that I'm beginning to see, particularly among younger, younger generation preachers. Um, because in our typical training through seminary, we have been exposed to a lot of exegetical, you know, commentaries, and we know how to defend our doctrines. But when you're actually pastoring, um, you just can't preach the 28 fundamentals year round um, for the couple of years that you are there. You have to learn to connect with the human experience. And we see that a lot in narratives in the Bible. And I am seeing, you know, preachers, younger preachers nowadays being able to broaden their understanding of what the sermon is supposed to be like. It's not just an intellectual exercise, but it is something that was written. The Bible is written by the, by the Lord with real people that he's trying to help. And you're one of those people that he wants to help. So I like the fact that I see a lot of the younger pastors now embracing a broad approach to the purpose of preaching in the pulpit. Hmm. That's really good. Uh, and I would agree. Again, I, I have seen a lot of that variety too, and it's really cool amongst my peers to see it happening. And so I really appreciate it. So let's talk about now your personal sermon prep, how you approach the sermon uh, how you structure it, uh, you know, kind of the the habits, the things that you do that have made life easier for you. Um, so let's let's start from the beginning. What are what are your first steps when approaching a sermon? Well, um, when what has been helpful for me is not waiting till I have an assignment to begin prepping for a sermon, so that I try to keep my mind always in the zone observing my environment, see what God is speaking to me about, um, watching other preachers, um, listening to sermons, uh, reading. Uh, so it's a constant preparation. And then so when God says, now I need you to deliver a message, I'm kind of pulling back on, leaning back on what he has been revealing to me all week long. Um, and once I identify that, then I dive in to study. Um, I identify a passage it's easier when you have a series that you're doing, praise the Lord, mm -hmm. because you do a lot of research and that you don't put in this final product, but you can put it in the next sermon. Yes. So um, identify where he wants me to go. Then I study the language. I study the context. And I think one of the things that I've learned to do over the years is not just studying the text itself, but what's also happening around the text, uh, what's happened in the chapter before, the chapter afterwards, how it's structured. Um, and then sometimes the way the text is laid out is its own sermon. 
for mm. example. Um, I think Dr. Dukan showed us, we were looking at the book of Job, but then he showed us after Job is the book of Psalms. And he said, he pointed out that Job had this horrible experience. But then after this horrible experience, you have the book of Psalms. And sometimes if you are able to get through that horrible experience with God, then you can sing again. Hmm. So there is a message that's not um, in the nuts and bolts of the text, but in the arrangement of the text and how God laid it out. So I've tried to pay attention to those things that connect with people and then find illustrations to fill it in. And at the very end where I know where I'm going with the governing thought, then I write the introduction because now I know where I'm going. Yeah. Okay. So I, I kind of have done that too. I've left the intro blank, gone with what I know of the text, written all of that out. And then I go, okay, this is where the text wanted me to go. Now, how do I introduce this? That I found that when I start with the introduction, I end up sitting there for a while. Exactly. <laughs> Not knowing because I don't really know what I'm introducing yet. Absolutely. So I, I'm, I'm resonating powerfully with you with you there. So now when you're on stage and I've noticed this this week, um, this is a good thing, not a bad thing. So don't, don't worry. Um, but I have noticed no filler words, no, uh, none of those ums or ahs or whatever. What are, what are some things that have helped you clean up those, those extras and the super, superfluous stuff that we sort of put in our preaching? Well, thank you for the observation. Um, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Praise God. What has helped me, I believe, is when I'm thinking of delivering the message, because you should practice not only, you know, writing it out or studying it itself, but, you know, there's delivery is part of the package. What has helped me is to think about how would the congregation receive what I'm saying the second time they heard it? Because sometimes in the moment, it's very exciting. But then when they're listening to it in their car and there's not all of this extra stuff around to distract them, can they still find something from it? And so when I think of that, um, it slows me down. Hmm. And so I'm actually listening to what I'm saying. So while I'm speaking, I'm hearing what I'm saying. One, that gets me excited because I'm excited about what I'm saying. But at the same time, I'm so busy listening to what I'm saying. I think by default, it pushes out those fillers um, just by slowing down. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I also, again, guilty of this. Actually, I find it, I'm more guilty of it at the beginning of a sermon than once I kind of get in the groove of, of putting those filler words in. So that's a really good way of thinking about it. Um, so when you're thinking about illustrations then, this is something that I think every pastor struggles with at some point is, is how do I think of an illustration that works here? So how do you think of, how do you choose your illustrations? Do you keep a bank of them somewhere? What do you do? I do exactly that. I keep a bank of them somewhere. Um, I buy books about illustrations. Those get kind of old. Then mm -hmm. I think about my own life. Um, again, not when I have a preaching assignment, but just taking time to be constantly in preparation mode. And I write down quotes that I hear. Sometimes a powerful quote could get my mind thinking a particular direction. And I actually catalog my thoughts, the quotes, the illustrations, and I will revisit them when it's time for the sermon prep. And sometimes I will get a thought, but I won't use it until a year later. So you have to kind of be faithful to the process um, because God seems to not allow shortcuts when he's trying to pour through you to save someone. And so um, you just got to be faithful, you know, mm. to the task. So I keep a catalog. So 
I guess I could ask how how easily accessible or searchable is that catalog? Because if you have a thought that you found or a quote or an illustration, and a year later you think, uh, is it something that you pray? The Holy Spirit just kind of reminds you of that thought. Do you have a way that you quickly search through stuff? What what's your process there? Two things. One is a random. Let me just visit my catalog. But I also learned over the years, I needed an easier way to do that. So after I type in the thought, I put in brackets the category I think that would fit under. So then now when I revisit it, it's a Word document. I hit Control F and I put in the category and it will come up with that uh, paragraph because at the end of the paragraph, I had put that word like perseverance or guilt or struggles. So as you catalog, put a bracket at the end and type in the various categories that you think it will fall under so that you can easily search it later when you come back to sermon hmm. prep. That's really good. Love it. This is this is great stuff. So um, when it comes to preaching, um, let's before we do books and resources, I want to ask this. Who are some preachers that have influenced you? James Doggett Sr. was my homiletics professor. Um, watching him, there was no distinction between the man and the message. It just flowed through him. And that was something that was very authentic. Um, and so I enjoyed hearing him preach. He was a major influence for me. And then in pursuing my doctoral studies, uh, my mentors, uh, Dr. Ricky Woods, and they just kind of introduced uh, different material. Um, I like watching preachers like uh, Dr. Rudolph McKissick Jr. He's good with exegetical points. And so... You know, James Doggett, I appreciated uh, C.D. Brooks later in life mm. and, and the way he can flesh out a point and do great topical messages and Rudolph McKissick Jr. and William Houston Curtis. Great. So now we have some names. So listeners, you can look them up and I'll see if I can't find anything online that some of them might have and, and link them in the episode show notes for you. Now let's talk books and resources. What are some books or maybe videos, whatever it might be that have helped you in your preaching? I do have some books. Um, there are, believe it or not, a simple book you can begin with is a thesaurus. Um, it's a very underutilized resource in preaching because you can, if you identify the theme of your, set, of, your, of your text is pride, then instead of just saying the usual things about pride, you can actually go to a thesaurus, look up the word pride, and then you start to see nuances about pride that you can build separate points on. So you can go a little bit deeper. Um, psychologytoday.com is a good resource as well, because now when I identify a human problem in the text, I plug that topic into psychology today. And there are usually articles that break it down in human language. So it can be very relevant when you're preaching. I like theological commentaries, the belief Bible commentary series, and the Brazos, B-R-A-Z-O-S, Bible commentary series. I also enjoy William Barclay. Um, Bible commentary series as well. And the Seventh-day Adventist devotional Bible commentary series because they kind of look at the text, you know, from different angles, and I appreciate that. Awesome. So 
Once again, listeners, we'll have links to as many of those as we can find for you. So all you have to do is go to the show notes and tap those and we'll take you right to where you can access some of those resources. Um, Thank you so much for doing this. This has been absolutely awesome. And uh, I want to ask this, when, when you've preached a message and you've, you've gone, through the, gone through all the research, you've, you've, you've done it, you're off the platform, back into normal church life or, or everyday activities, what are the things that you do to help the sermon land after the sermon or even before the sermon, right? If there's a thought or something you're trying to introduce to your church, um, how do you help that stick? You mean if I have a message of direction that yes. guys give me that the church to go? Yes. Well, even before, I use the usual process that most pros- that pastors do. You know, I talk to my leadership. So like in an elders meeting, we can discuss it as a topic. And then I get their feedback. And their feedback will let me know what will go into people's minds when I mention it. And then I take it from the elders meeting, you know, mention it perhaps in a board meeting, what the issue is. And then it's formulated into a message um, with that feedback in mind. And by that point, I've already gotten buy-in from the key leaders. So it's easier for me to kind of pursue what I need to pursue thereafter because they're already on board. I really appreciate that. I think for a lot of younger pastors, we... Uh, we make the, the 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 wrong assumption that it's just the sermon, but there's so much more to uh, to leading through through preaching than just the preaching itself. There's so much more that plays into that. So, uh, so any final thoughts? Anything you want to leave pastors with, church leaders with, regarding preaching or anything in general? I would say that never underestimate the power of preaching. Because we wear so many hats as Adventist pastors. Uh, A lot of us do not have staff that will handle this and handle that. So we do a lot of administration. And if you do a lot of it, you may sometimes forget to stop and feed your own soul. And that will affect your preaching as well. Because you're going to what feels like an empty well because you're so spent. Um, Preaching for me is a different side of my brain that I'm functioning in than when I am doing administration. So try not to, because administration comes a little bit easier. Um, The creative process is a little bit more, it's like giving birth, you know, you get pregnant with a thought, then it goes through a trimester or two, and then you're (laughs) waiting for the God to give you the next piece of that sermon as well. And it's a difficult process. So administration is kind of like in front of you. You can always get busy in it. Um, But don't let your administration crowd out your time to feed your soul because that is where the power of your sermons will come from. Wow. Well, thank you so much for this. This has been absolutely amazing. And uh, we'll be praying for you as you head back up uh, to the Northeast and, and blessings to you and your ministry and to, and to your family as well. Thank you so much. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to The Lead Podcast. My name is Ryan Becker. I'm one of the co-hosts and producer of this podcast, and we really appreciate your support. If you want to subscribe, then you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, any of your favorite podcatching apps. And if you do subscribe on iTunes, then we just ask that you please leave a review. That really helps us out to know what we can do better and the things that you are already enjoying, the things that we can continue doing. Make sure you do subscribe and leave a review because we're always doing giveaways, and that really uh, that's the way that we do it is we 
we do it for those who have left a review. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback for the show, you can email us, leadsupodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter, Roger Hernandez, at leadsu, and myself, at Ryan180Becker. Thank you guys so much for listening and supporting. Without you, this is not possible. We'll see you next time.